The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Hapsent Minded. My name is Jared Book. Joining me today, a it's been a while since this person's been on the podcast. You know him from Eyes on the Prize. He's the co-host of Locked On Canadians. Scott Matla, how are you doing? Uh, I have felt better. Uh, I'm currently going through allergies and a head cold as the seasons change for good here in Buffalo, but... Uh, I'm kind of bolstered by the fact that despite the Montreal Canadiens picking first overall, we still have a, an, an actually very exciting playoff team to uh, to view in the meantime while we wait for the draft to roll around in July. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been thinking about doing a, a rocket focused podcast for a while uh, based on their runs. You know, the, the two rounds didn't really go long enough to to really discuss them. Uh, but I knew that I, if we were doing one, you would have to be on it as, as the guest because uh, you've uh, been around uh, this uh, franchise, this AHL franchise uh, at Eyes on the Prize for, for a very long time. Yeah, it, it, it's wild is that they made the playoffs. And I was like, wow, I haven't done this in five years. And then they went around and I'm like, wow, I've never done this. And I've been covering this team since the 2013-2014 season. Like... It's it's been a wild ride. They beat Syracuse in five games. They kind of overcame the demons of 2017 with an overtime win. And then they swept a very like red hot Rochester Americans team, including needing triple overtime to do it. But the Rocket have been just incredibly fun this postseason. Not always exciting, mind you. The game the series against Syracuse was uh, a grind. Uh, it was not one made for uh, high-end highlight reel goals, whereas the Rochester series was just pew, pew, pew goals and all this other nonsense happening. And their upcoming the one. Game. That yeah, last game uh, was, was ridiculous. You don't got to tell me. I was there. Like, uh, And that's the fun part is I don't really know what the Springfield series holds because they only played Springfield twice this year. And they uh, split the season series. They had a comeback win, and then they got blown out in another one. And you can't really take too much away from just two regular season matchups. Yeah, the one thing that I remember from that Springfield game, because it was a home game, it was on TV on RDS, um, as all the home games have been this season. So I remember watching it, and I just remember thinking, like, wow, this team is really good. (laughs) Because the Rocket at that point, I think they were playing some of their best hockey of the year. And and it just Springfield comes in and just you know up and down the lineup they have guys who can make things happen uh, and and that game was I think five two and obviously Charlie Lindgren coming back into Laval which he'll be here again after uh, the St Louis Blues got eliminated but 
it's uh, it, it just struck me as a very solid team. And we don't really get to see the Atlantic division a lot. <laughs> you know, you, you see them every now and then um, for, you know, maybe a game here and there, you know, obviously two games a year this year. And, and with Springfield, they, it's, it's funny because the names that they have are somewhat familiar, but then they have other names that um, are not familiar and I'm sure that they're doing the same thing, looking at the Laval lineup and being like, who are these guys? Um, but for Springfield, we have to start with the former Rocket uh, slash Canadians. And that's obviously Charlie Lindgren. We talked about him a little bit. He's played two games, but they have another good goaltender in Joel Hofer, uh, who you may remember from the World Juniors. Uh, he played for Canada and he's been really good. And the key thing for the Springfield team is that they haven't lost a game. They're 6-0, uh, two straight three-game sweeps uh, to get to the Eastern Conference Final. And what, what's funny to me is I'm looking at the regular season stats where Charlie Lindgren was a 925 with a 2.21 goals against, and Hofer was a 905 with a 2.96. And then in the playoffs, Lindgren's had a 3.5 goals against, but still a 916 save percentage. And I look at that, and my first thought is, okay, they do give up some goals. The opportunity is there, but they've just been, when Hofer's been in net, they just lock it down like so quickly. And I, I look at the roster and I see, you know, some names, this isn't like Chicago, which builds a team that is meant to win every year. Like Sam Annis is, you know, almost is over two points per game. Former Habs prospect Will Bitten has nine points in six games. Matthew Pekka has nine points in six games. And then James Neal's all the way down there with five points in five games. But I look at that and I go, okay, their their top end is very top heavy. They're very good up there. If the Rocket can break even on that, I I think they have the ability that they can win some of those depth matchups there. Really actually test uh, Hofer and Lindgren in this series a little bit because I think fully, like truly, uh, the Rocket depth, including the new additions of Joshua Waugh and Riley Kidney, can really kind of test you know, this team, I'm looking at their defense and like Luke Witkowski, Tyler Tucker, like I'm seeing names here, like outside of Tommy Cross, there's not a guy on that defense that I would go, yeah, he'd be a regular in the rocket lineup, at least so far this year. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned like Luke Witkowski, Tyler Tucker, T- Tommy Cross. It just sounds like a country music band almost um, with, with names like that. <laughs> um, but I mean, they're 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 top heavy. Obviously, their top line in their last game was Clem Costin, who is a former first round pick uh, of the Blues, or not former. He is a first he is a first round pick of the Blues. Uh, Matthew Pekka and and Sam Annis, who who leads the team and, and leads the AHL uh, playoffs in scoring, despite only playing six games. Uh, and so that's their top line. Then you have uh, James Neal, Nikita Alexandrov, and uh, Nathan Todd. Uh, Nathan Todd is a name that. that stands out to me because he played for Manitoba last year and uh, Laval saw a lot of Manitoba last year um, in the, the COVID Canadian division. And then their third line is, is McEachern, Joshua and Bitten and Bitten, like, like you said, has nine points kind of out of nowhere. Um, I was always a fan of Will Bitten when he was a prospect of the Canadians. Uh, he was traded to Minnesota for Gustav Olofsson, I believe. And then uh, when I got flipped a couple of times since then, ended up in the St. Louis organization. And yeah, I mean, th- there's no 
the name recognition isn't there, but they do have that AHL depth. I mean, you look at Mon- uh, Montreal, Laval's roster, and, you know, guys like Brandon Jignac, and, you know, those aren't named <laughs> name brands either. Obviously, we're just more familiar with them, but it's going to be a very interesting matchup because I, I do think that Laval has the advantage on defense, uh, definitely. I think that the way that, you know, Caden Primo is playing, uh, whether it's Lindgren or Hofer in net, that's going to be a very interesting matchup. Obviously, there's some personal um, uh, rivalry there if it's Lindgren in net. And, and the forwards, I think, you know, it doesn't look as scary as Rochester was. And Laval did a very good job of shutting down Rochester's top players. It wasn't really until the last game of the series where they really did anything. And it was really just J.J. Paterka who, who did things for, for the Americans. So, yeah, it's going to be a very tough series. I'm very interested to see how this series starts because it's back-to-back games again uh, to start the series. And both teams have a pretty long layoff. Uh, Laval's obviously haven't played since in over a week and the Springfield is going to have a, a full week off uh, from their last game as well. So it, it's going to be very interesting to see how the dynamics and, and Laval, it's going to be Laval. They're, they're a very emotional team and they, they had a, a big series against Syracuse, which was a you know very heated rivalry. The Americans, it got heated as well. Um, but I'm going to steal a quote from uh, from Danik Martel, who is uh, the, the Law Rockets uh, resident. Um, uh, Corey Perry, I guess, is a good you can call him a shithead. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it's what he, <laughs> yes, he we, we, I, I was I was trying to find the right uh, term of endearment. Yeah, sh- shithead is is a is a good uh, <laughs> is a good one to say. Um, and, and he said, if you play my style of game and you're not excited for the playoffs, you should not be here. <laughs> And, and I think that that's kind of the, the thinking going into it. It's like, it's the playoffs. Uh, if you don't uh, get up for those games, it doesn't matter if you have a rivalry or not. And obviously uh, that's what's going to happen uh, on Saturday when it gets going. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about, about the Rocket uh, and, and the performance that we've seen so far because it's, it's kind of a, it's a group effort. <laughs> you know, like you have that four-goal game from Danik Martel uh, in the first game of the Rochester series. But other than that, uh, Alex Belzil uh, had, had four goals. I think he, he had, I think, a goal a game in the Syracuse series, if I'm not mistaken. But it's it's funny because you scroll down the 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 stat sheet and Raphael Harvey-Pinard, five assists. I feel like they added a lot of assists to him. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't so- think... I they took one away from Sammy Niku a few weeks ago. <laughs> like they took one away from Sammy Niku. He had eight assists heading into like they tweeted about it the other day and they took one away from him. The Rocket being where they're at without admittedly a ton of production from Rafael Harvey Pinard, Yessi Alonin, a guy like Corey Schooneman, who we expected to be a little bit more prominent in this is honestly impressive. Like Schooneman has one assist through eight games in the playoffs, which Okay, not the end of the world, not the worst thing, but at the same time, it, it, we expect a little bit more of that, and they've just kind of balanced it out. It hasn't been one line every single night. Yes, Tonic Martell has been an absolute thorn in the side of every team he's played. Uh, same with Brandon Jignac so far. But I'm wondering if this is the series where maybe they get Jesse Alonen going a little bit. Maybe this is the series where Rafael Harvey-Pinard finally gets on the board because – 
the top lines had a little bit of trouble. Like they're a minus and Rafael Harvey Pinard is not often a minus player, at least not in this season. And they just kind of go across the boards here to, uh, to make things happen. So I'm very curious to see uh, who is the kind of unsung guy that pops up in this series here. It was Donick Martel last series. Um, John Sebastian D in game three, obviously. Is this the one where we kind of see um, Willette or Rafael Harvey Pinard or one of the other big names from the regular season kind of establish themselves and take the mantle of, hey, this is, uh, I'm stepping up now. You know, in series one, Gabriel Bork was the hero in game five. Uh, Donick Martel was the hero across the series in Rochester. It's my turn. And given the, uh, the camaraderie and just how close this team is, I wouldn't be shocked if that was the case. Yeah, it's 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 funny because if I would have told you that you know they get one goal in each series from Jesse Ullinen, you're like, how are they even in the third round of the playoffs? Um, because you know he'd think that he'd be the one to to really step up. Uh, I mean, they definitely added assist to Harvey Pernard because I think they took one away from Ullinen as well because he had a, a two point game at one point in Game Three against Rochester. Now he's down to one goal, so they definitely did some scoring adjustments. Uh, on film uh, they had a lot of time on their hands so I guess that's what they did in their downtime is is review scoring plays uh, for the team but yeah I mean w- one person who's really stepped up we, you talked a bit about Sammy Niku but Louis Belpedio has really taken this team on his back not only from a point scoring pr- uh, perspective not only from a top pairing perspective but it seems like whenever there's a scrum or something that physical that needs to happen, he's involved. And I think that he's really just enjoying uh, letting the, letting the, uh, the, the fisticuffs go a little bit uh, in those scrums a little bit. It might be that, that, um, that fiery nature that he has, because I mean, he's just really taking the energy from the crowd. And he talked about how the energy of the crowd is, you know, he played, he even said that he played in the NHL, uh, but, there's nothing like he's felt uh, energy wise, like the crowd in Laval uh, through these playoffs. And and I think that he's just one of those players that really steps up in the playoffs and really feels like, okay, this is the time that we're going to give it everything that we have. And, and yeah, I've just been really impressed by him. He has two goals. Uh, I don't think, I I think only Xavier Willette has a a goal from the defense um, besides him. So, I mean, it's really, and big goals too, if I'm not mistaken. I think he scored um, one of the tying goals, or one of the. Um, I think he scored the goal to make it two one in in game. The game you're down two nothing against Syracuse. Um, I believe that was him. I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, I just feel like he's been really stepping up when uh, when they need to. And you know, Xavier Willett hasn't been as prominent as you might expect him to be, especially on the power play, but. Louis Belpedio is really making that second power play unit uh, with Sami Nuku really sing. And it's a big reason why Alex Belzil uh, is, is producing on that second unit as well. Um, Belzil's two, two of his four goals have been on the power play and that's the second unit. Uh, Martel is on that second unit too. And he has two power play goals. So it, it seems like that unit is really stepping up a little bit over, um, over the first unit where, where Ulan and his, his shot is kind of a little bit telegraphed. Uh, after that, after his first goal against Syracuse. Yeah. And like, I look at, to touch on Belpedio, like in 69 regular season games, he had 11 goals and 19 assists, which, okay. 
doesn't seem like a lot to remember he's a defenseman he also had 92 penalty minutes he's a guy just made for the playoffs and then through eight games in the playoffs he has four penalty minutes he among so many other people which has been part of the rocket success so far is they haven't taken retaliation penalties they've kept themselves about as much out of the box as they possibly could and that's what you need to win in the playoffs like you can't give your team or you give opposing teams other chances there and the way that he plays reminds me so much of just kind of what we saw from like Joel Edmondson in the playoffs for the Canadians is that he's just solid he makes the right play more often than not he knows when to jump up he knows when to be back he doesn't often find himself out of position on that pairing with Xavier Ouellette and they play a lot like a lot a lot where there have been moments where I wasn't sure if he left the ice and he mans that second power play unit quite well whether he should be on unit one or not is another debate but as long as they keep winning why change that He's someone that has been quietly one of the team's MVPs this season, I think. I know we talk about Harvey Pinard and Jean-Sebastian D uh, and how good like Kevin Poulin and Caden Primo were when called on, but it's not often you get double-digit goals from your defense. Then in the playoffs, he just is a complete rock at the back there when you need him to, and he's going to be busy. It's going to be physical. Springfield likes to scrum it up, and the Rocket have to keep you know their focus here. They've done it so far, but it's only going to get harder and harder. Tempers boil over, and they've done a good job keeping that in check because the longer your better players are on the ice and the sooner theirs are going off, more tired legs, better opportunities, and they take advantage of that. And uh, it, I'm truly just impressed by like how good just the Rocket defense has been for a team that was predominantly not really you know notable players uh, in terms of like – NHL prospects outside of Matthias Norlinder being there for a short stint. Yeah. And, and Belpedio, just to add to that plus seven leading the team as well, given how much minutes he plays um, that's a, that's a pretty significant number um, other than him. I, I want to talk about, we talked about Schooneman a little bit before, but that third pairing with Schooneman and Toby Paquette Bisson is just so solid. Like they, They're plus five. They only have one assist each, but I, I, couldn't I, I like I just feel like they haven't been on the ice for a goal against in this series like they've just been so solid and they're so responsible they both like to jump up into play every now and then but I feel like they've been really solid especially when the team is going with you know 7d or an, an experienced fourth line I mean Luca Condata has you know you can count the number of pro games he has on on both your hands uh, at this point so I, I just think that the defense on, on Laval is just so good because then you have that, that second pairing, which is Niku and Dello. And, and that's just a kind of fire and ice <laughs> pairing uh, between the two of them as well. So yeah, shout out to, to, to that third pair of pocket be and Schooneman. Peter Bondonato is really becoming uh, an unsung hero of this team. We mentioned a couple of guys. He is a guy who didn't play the entire first series against uh, Syracuse. He he played. I'm uh, sorry. He played Game Five against uh, against Syracuse. Then comes in, plays the three games against Rochester. He has three assists in four games. He played the seven game series for the Twelve Lions in the ECHL playoffs, 
And he's just, he, he basically demoted Nate Schnarr to fourth line center. <laughs> and Schnarr is not 100%. I think you have to be clear about that. He missed a game uh, early in the, in the Syracuse series. He missed a game. But I, I feel like that the center depth of this team is, is kind of one of the things that's under the radar a little bit. Because you have Brandon Genak, who can play center, who is playing wing right now. Uh, and obviously, they're missing Lucas Vedemo who would undoubtedly be a, a huge asset for, for this playoff run. But to have guys like Abandonado, Schnarr step up, um, but really Abandonado, who wasn't really part of this team uh, for the start of the season, he was in the ECHL, came up for a bit during the injuries, uh, got sent back down when bodies started to come back, and now he's getting his chance again. And uh, not for nothing, he was part of that Memorial Cup team in Ruan Naranda, uh, where he won the Memorial Cup with Joel Teasdale and Raphael Harvey Pinard. They have that story, the history together. Yeah, and it's like I look at, you know, Peter Abandonado played 38 games for the Rockets here and had quietly had 20 points, like, <laughs> which I watched all those games and I'm shocked by how high that number is. Like, Devontae Smith Pelly had eight points in like a handful of in a certain amount of games here, too. And it's like, they have the depth to make things happen. Like they can put Abandonado on the power play. They can put him out there, you know, in the top six to if they need some speed late in the game there. Uh, Lucas Condotta came in and, you know, sort of his first professional goal as like, a, which stood as, I don't know if it was the game winner or the game clincher basically against Rochester in game two. Like Joel Teasdale was a big piece down the stretch. He's their fourth line winger right now with Nate Schnarr, who is their fourth line center right now. Like, the the team's depth is stupid. And then you have Kevin Waugh, who is like a very talented player, isn't even playing. Devontae Smith-Pelly, who's a Stanley Cup champion, is not playing. You know, you have Joshua and Riley Kidney waiting in the wings. They have guys to rotate this through here. And if they have to, I think they can use that to compete with Springfield here. I think they have the depth to just grind them down that if they want to go with speed, they can dress these guys. If they want to play physically, they can dress these guys. If they want to mix, they can, you know, pick and choose what they want to do here. It's going to be an interesting series just because the goaltending alone, like Caden Primo has been great. Lindgren and Hofer have been great. And Kevin Poulin, despite a, you know, tough first game against Syracuse, was about as lights out as it gets down the stretch for the Rocket. You just don't forget how to do that. So... It's going to be a tight series. I'm not shocked if it goes seven games. I'm not shocked if every game ends like four, three or three, two. It, it's, I, it's a coin flip, like honestly. And I'm really excited to see, you know, if this rocket team can impress again. Yeah. It's, it's, you mentioned Keaton Primo uh, and it's funny because he didn't start. It's art. I feel like it's almost reminiscent of last year's Canadians run where by the third round, you're like, remember when Kotkiniemi and Caulfield were scratched in game <laughs> in the first game of the series against Toronto? And I kind of feel like that's how it is with Keaton Primo. It's like, remember when he was not playing the first game of the playoffs against Syracuse? And, and I think that it was kind of, uh, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but I feel like Jean-Francois Houle knew that he was going to split the two goalies in the first two games. And Kevin Poulin really deserved to start that game. He was better down the stretch. He's the veteran. And I kind of feel like he knew that if he went to Primo in game two, it might give him a little bit more of a, 
chip on his shoulder and he just ran with it. And I, I would be, even though there's potentially two back-to-backs in this series, uh, I don't think that will, barring a disaster or an injury, uh, I, this is Caden Primo's net uh, for the Rocket, which is good for the Montreal Canadiens uh, as well, uh, because you want to see him step up. And, and he's definitely one of the guys that, that can do that. And something else, I, I do want to talk about Brandon Gignac because he is one of the players I like watching the most on this team. Because you just know that if there's a foot race and it's 30, 37 coming down the ice, you know that he's going to come away with the puck. And, and it's just so much fun to watch him hit his stride or go for loose pucks or go for foot races. And he's just a guy that is, he's not going to be a guy that's going to like get NHL contracts or got to get a lot of NHL time, but he's just a good professional hockey player. And I he's, feel like there's a lot of guys you can say that about this rocket team, but he's one of the guys that every time I watch him play this year, he's just one of those guys that's just fun to watch because he's so fast on his feet. He has a, uh, he has a knack for big, big goals. Yeah, like he, he had is. the game two winner with like a minute 37 left against Syracuse. He scored the goal that got them into the playoffs against Toronto, which was just highlight reel, regardless of where you look at it. And then he had the one that started a four goal onslaught in game three against Rochester. Like he has a knack for as much as the fact that he was almost a scratch in that crucial game against Toronto, according to Jaef Hool, is. He, he comes up when you need him to. He's he's almost Paul Byron-like in the way that he's, you know, he's just kind of there, but when he, he gets going and the legs start going, even in like double, triple overtime, you're not beating him to pucks. Like he just, he's the energizer bunny legs. And he's exciting because he he's there, he's step for step with the guy and then he's gone past them. And that's a nightmare to match up against, especially as these games get more, uh, grinding and bogged down you got to try and keep pace with a dude who just has rockets in his skates no pun intended and he's fun don't get me wrong I love watching Yessi alone and handle the puck where he just dipsy doodles seemingly on the edge of turning it over and then he dangles it through three people but Brandon Jiniak when there's a loose puck and he's on the ice it's like a, a hunting dog finding its mark He's just gone, and there's almost no catching him once he does that. Yeah, it's it, it's been fun seeing him kind of break out in, in his playoffs. And and Danik Martel is is just one of those guys that you hate to play against, uh, but you love when he's on your team. And and I think that he's he has a little bit of of, of Charles Houdon in him, right? Because Charles Houdon was a scorer, but he he had a bit of fighting him or, or a lot of fighting him right he had he had an edge to his game uh especially in the ahl level and especially against toronto <laughs> um but but danik martel is one of those guys where we mentioned his uh um his ability to get under team skin and and that's just what he does like he, he's i want to say he's kind of like ahl Corey perry where he's just kind of like and he's so smart about it too because he'll go to the he'll go to the line and meet you at the line and wait for you to take the other step over it, and uh, it, it's Daniel Walcott was doing that a lot in the Syracuse series, and Denik Martel played with Walcott in Syracuse and also in junior, and 
uh, he was asked about Walcott's uh, ability to get under team skin. He's like, Walcott, I can, I, I play that kind of style too, and I'm more offensively skilled than Walcott is. And it's just, it was just the perfect answer. And it, it's just, it's, he's, it, it's funny, it's fun to see some of these Rocket guys really break out on their AHL contract because a lot of these guys are playing for contracts next year. Right, we can talk about guys playing for NHL futures like Ulanin and 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 Harvey Pinard and guys like that. But there's a almost I would say most of this Rocket team doesn't have contracts for next year. And, yeah, it, and, it's and up they're in the really air. going after Xavier Ouellet is another one who doesn't have a contract for next year, and you can just see them giving that little bit extra. Yeah, it, it's I I look at this team like Alex Belzeal is like the only veteran that I can guarantee will likely be back in this lineup next year, just because like he he's been that guy since he joined the rocket is that he just comes in and he does the veteran leadership thing. Like I watched them coming off the ice after that game in Rochester and he's the loudest one. He's the one screaming, let's go home boys. And this and that he's going to be back. I assume Xavier will let will be offered a contract again. He is the team captain, and, but guys like John Sebastian D with a strong AHL season, if there's a team that has openings, he might be, you know, that squeaks into an NHL lineup at some point. Is he back? Is he not? We don't know. But I could see them bringing back Adonic Martel. I think Louis Belpedio will be back just because of, you know, how much he's enjoyed it here so far. But it's always a mystery. And the good news for the Canadians is they're getting a ton of prospect reinforcement in the near future too, especially on defense. So maybe there's not as much worry there, but I'm very curious to see, you know, okay, if you're performing well, like I'm assuming Kevin Wapp will not be back next season, whether that's his fault or not, it's up in the air. But like, like you said, everyone's playing for a spot, especially in Montreal where, hey, they're going through a rebuild. There's NHL minutes to be had. Who wants to stay here and do that? So I am... uh it, it, it's going to be a very busy off season for whoever's doing all the AHL transactions in addition to the NHL ones too. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned the prospect reinforcements and we, we touched about this a little bit, but Joshua Roy, Riley Kidney, I, I, I want to see them in the lineup, especially Joshua Roy. I think Joshua Roy can really bring something into this series. But like John Francois Hull says, the forwards are playing well. Like, are you going to scratch... You know, Luca Condado is probably the, the most obvious one, but he just had his best game in the series. Um, in the overtime game, he, he has a goal uh, in the game before. You know, he's been playing good hockey lately. But then you have guys like, you know, Joel Teasdale, Nate Schnart. You're not going to scratch those guys for a rookie. It's it's really tough uh, to, to see what's going to happen. I, I think that I would bet money that if the rocket are going to go are missing scoring, like if they're missing like kind of that game breaker, I would not be surprised to see Jean-Francois who will go to uh, a guy like Joshua Roy. I think it's a little bit harder for Riley Kidney to get into the lineup just because he's a center and the responsibilities for a, a young center to step in are a little bit harder than just telling Joshua water. Hey, go score a couple of goals and <laughs> go get some scoring chances, play on the power play. I just think that his skill set you know, leans more to getting a, a chance, but they're not there necessarily to play. You know, if they don't play, it's not like, oh, what's he doing? He's not developing them. They're, they're there to learn. They're there to, to watch the players, how they act on the ice, off the ice, get used to the speed of professional hockey, uh, you know, and, and prepare really for, for training camp next year, if not, if not sooner. But, 
yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of when this is really a bad example, but in 20, 2010, when Andre Markov got hurt, they called up this uh, this young defenseman from the AHL um, by the name of PK Subban, who only played a handful of NHL games up to that point, and the Canadians put him in the playoffs. And uh, well, I don't think he was scratched uh, for the rest of that playoff run. And I just feel like if you need that kind of dynamic action, that's where you go. You go to Joshua Roy, uh, Matt Drake has a lot of a lot of highlights and and gifts of of Joshua Roy from his playoff run in the regular season. He's just a guy that makes things happen. And I think that you know they're they're kind of playing coy. He's traveling with the team. He's going to be in Springfield. I don't think he's going to play in Game One necessarily. But we mentioned the back to backs, and there's a lot of players who play really heavy games and heavy minutes. It wouldn't shock me if we see Joshua Watt in this series at all. My my thought with him, and I talked about this uh, with Laura today, um, is that I don't think he's going to be get in on the road when Hool cannot control the matchups. But if they split the series or if they struggle in the first two games for offense, I can easily see him being the next guy up in game three where JF Hool can kind of control where his young players matched up out there. They don't want him going out there against that top line against guys that, you know, know this league in and out right now, but I can see them saying, Hey, if we can control this and get him out there against, you know, their slower grinding guys that can't keep up with his pace or his talents, then they're going to do that. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I might be shocked. He might be in game one for all we know, because this playoff is nothing but surprises and adding a guy who had over 100 points in the QMJHL this season uh, to a lineup that is clicking already is almost unfair a little bit. So uh, I, I am curious, like I agree with you on Kidney just because I'd see a lesser or a harder path forward for him right now. But Waz versatility allows him, I think, a lot more opportunity to get in uh, when that time comes. Yeah, and this is also a team that played with 11 forwards for the majority of the playoffs, right? So if you dress 12 with Waz, you could afford to play him sparingly on the second power play. If you need a goal late in the game, you can kind of, you can kind of play around with that because these guys are used to playing um, with 11 forwards. So it, 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 even on the road, there is that kind of leeway and and the way he manages his bench. Um, Yeah. I would be shocked if he plays game one, just because he's going to have to have, like he only has about two practices before game one with the team. Uh, It might be asking a little much, but uh, it'll be very interesting to see uh, how this series develops, especially if they're struggling to get offense going. Because, you know, we mentioned Ullinen. Those are the guys that get offense going. Ullinen uh, is one of them. Uh, Brandon Jignac is kind of a, a game breaker in terms of his speed and what he can do. And then there's Joshua Hua. And, and that's um, to have an NHL skill set, because I think his skill, his skill alone is really NHL level right now. Um, if you look at what he does in the, in the queue, the other parts of the game maybe need a little bit more work. Obviously, he's still uh, a young player. But I think when you can have that kind of skill and uh, add it to an AHL lineup, uh, it's definitely tempting. <laughs> and I think that that's why a lot of fans are are looking at him. And that's why I think Jean-François Houl is, is going to be looking at him, especially if uh, um, if the, the series, uh, if they can't get goals on, on Hofer and, and Lindgren or whoever is in goal. I, I think it'll probably Hofer to start. 
but I, I think that they're going to throw Lindgren a bone because it is his former team. Uh, he might get a chance to, uh, to to play a game. And he was the number one heading into the playoffs as well. It's kind of similar to the Poulin Primo, uh, where Poulin was the better goaltender in the playoffs, in the regular season, sorry. And Primo was the one that's kind of taking over. Uh, Lindgren is the guy who got called up to the NHL a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But obviously some familiarity there. Although there's not that many people who Lindgren played with in Laval. Um, you know, Belzil, Ouellette, um, and, you know, a couple guys have been there for the last couple of years. But um, you, you surprised me the other day when you said, when I, when you said that Charlie Lindgren was the last goaltender to play in the playoffs for Laval. Uh, before the season and uh, I had forgotten that he had been around that long yeah he was he was the ice caps goalie in that 2017 series like just five years later and here it is so it's like I said it's going to be a fun series and I really look forward to it I hope we get to see Joshua I really do just because I want to see what he can do at before we get to his nine game tryout to start next season so uh it, it, it's it's just such a tight series that I can't wait to see what comes of this. Like I said, I don't know what to expect in game one. I didn't know what to expect against Syracuse, and I didn't know what to expect against Rochester. The playoffs are a whole new beast, and sometimes teams have it, and sometimes they don't. We're going to see which one, because uh, the Rocket have been through adversity a couple times already. Yeah. What can they do? Uh, what about uh, Springfield, who hasn't gone through that yet? So I'm very, very... Uh, very very excited for this just because i know unfortunately i'm missing game one due to a wedding but um i will be ready for game two and beyond after that yeah it's definitely gonna be fun it's been a long time since they played too so there's kind of that anticipation as well but you mentioned adversity and yeah you know you're looking at springfield who hasn't lost a game this season and the rocket who were basically 38 seconds away from being eliminated in the first round or second round i guess um confusing AHL playoffs but the, the rockets first round uh but the ahl's second round uh against syracuse 38 seconds from being eliminated get the tying goal force overtime and uh haven't lost since then <laughs> and so it, it'll be very interesting to watch scott thank you so much for for joining me i know that uh you've been busy and not feeling too well so thank you for joining me and uh we'll have full coverage of the rocket playoffs uh as far as they go as they go chase the calder cup Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Haps and Mind.